0: Hello, listener. As winter 2023 comes to a close, we have begun to usher in the 180th editorial directorate of the Dartmouth newspaper. But we would be utterly remiss not to reflect with the accomplished leaders of the past. So, in this term's final episode, my fellow producers and I sat down with all four executives of the 179th editorial directorate to say thank you and goodbye. I'm your host, Levi Port, and welcome to another episode of The Debrief. Producers Ella von Beyer and Jack Coleman sat down with our former editor-in-chief, Emily Liu. Emily is a senior from Austin, Texas, who majored in anthropology modified with geography and a public policy minor. And Next year, she's undecided, but hoping to do something in the health or policy domain. Getting right into it, uh, obviously now that you're looking back on your
1: four years uh, at Dartmouth and your involvement here, what do you think has defined your time at the Dartmouth and specifically this directorate as well?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think coming into college, I did a lot of journalism in high school and earlier and I just thought it was something that I wanted to keep going with. what I like about journalism is rooted in like storytelling and getting to know your campus community and kind of like, giving voice to the stories that a lot of times go on like untold and that's true anywhere. Um, so that's something that I was really excited about coming to Dartmouth and being able to do, especially because it is a small campus in a close-knit community. Um, so I started off at the D as both a news and sports writer. Did actually a lot of sports my freshman year, which was super cool. So a lot of uh, like game recaps would be out with the women's basketball team on Friday night or Saturday night, um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, also did a lot of news stories, and then eventually became an associate managing editor um, under the 21s, which was a great experience. I love editing. I think I was writing a bunch and kind of just wanted to see what else goes into a story before it gets published, and that was a just a phenomenal thing to do, especially working with the 21 managing editors. Um, eventually, I also became a special issue editor. This was COVID spring, so de- kind of a darker time on campus, but we were trying to find the stories that would be a little more uplifting. Um, at that point, we thought it would be like the end of the pandemic, which is, seems like it doesn't really exist at this point, but... Um, at least lifting up COVID restrictions which is cool. In terms of coming into this directorate and what has defined our tenure, um, I think we've been dealing with a lot of like post-COVID legacy so trying to get folks back into the newsroom um, but also just campus events in general. We've I think our director has generally seen a lot of or this past year has seen a lot of campus tragedies which has been really difficult um, because I guess we are such a tight-knit community like these are all uh, folks that we know and have gotten to know throughout our four years here. Um, so that's been a really challenging thing to work through when you are covering um, some tragic events on campus and like having to put yourself through that while also kind of grieving on your own. So that I would say is an unfortunate kind of defining moment of our director. But at the same time, it's one where we've really seen campus come together and address some bigger issue, systemic um, topics within the administration and within um, campus, like whether it's mental health policies or generally um, like COVID restrictions. And also I think we recently, a big one has been um, efforts of students to advocate for like increased pay and things like that. So I think it's hard to pin down our director to a few defining moments, but um, generally like seeing the campus come together has been really awesome. So if you could cast your mind back to those early, early days,
3: mm-hmm. Emily is a freshman. Oh no! Arriving yeah, on campus, so excited to make her mark on the Dartmouth community, she signs up for the D. Mm-hmm.
2: What was the first story that you wrote? The first story that I wrote was about um, Callie Brownson, who was a coach, a former Dartmouth coach, um, the first female full-time Division One football coach, um, and she was at Dartmouth, and she got hired by the Bills at the time, Um, and I, like, remember my first sports Sam, which is our story assignment meeting, and I pulled up to this room, actually, and I was like, hey, like, I'm ready for my first story, and this is really cool, because I love reporting about the intersection of, like, sports and society, and um, she just seemed like an awesome coach, and when I was interviewing the players, um, it, it really showed how, like, passionate they were about her and, like, the impact that she left on them. Um, So, I mean, I was, like, tiny little freshman, like, interviewing all, like, our starting quarterback and, like, our head coach. Um, So, that was a little bit of a new experience for me, but super cool story and definitely a fun one to start off with. I think right after that, I had a new story published, so they may have been... I was probably working on those at the same time. The sports one got pushed back a bunch because we unfortunately could not reach Coach Bronson because she was being actively hired by the Bills, and um, that was a... A like complicated process, but I was able to talk to a bunch of players, and um, that was really cool. My first news story was about um phishing like when people what? send out spam emails, oh. and not like this kind of phishing. Uh, we're not for like, the listeners, yes. Emily is uh making the action of I think it's called throwing a line, yes, casting, casting a line. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, this is a new medium I'm getting used to, but. Yeah, not that kind of phishing, but the, like, email spam phishing. PH um, phishing? PH, phishing with a PH. And I, like, talked to the head of tech at Dartmouth. Um, I think it was, like, a tournament where, like, there was increased reports of phishing, and the ITC community was like, be careful, everyone. Like, we don't want your information stolen. Um, So that was a fun piece. Yeah, I mean, they were both (laughs) great first pieces
3: that's so fun did you have a mentor at the D someone who
2: um you kind of looked up to or maybe who showed you the ropes yeah I can think of a handful of people um I would say the first one Heyman was our 20 um editor-in-chief and you know like as a freshman the editor-in-chief is usually like this pretty intimidating figure but she was like really warm and um welcoming to me and obviously had really high expectations and I think that directorate like, put out a ton of great stuff, like, in part because of the, like, high expectations that they set. Um, But at the same time, like, she was just really, um, like, really made herself someone that we could talk to and ask questions to, which is something that I really wanted to emulate in my leadership style as well. Um, After that, our two managing editors that I worked closely with were Abby Mahali and Ailee Brady and i worked as an associate managing editor under them so they've been just like they were exactly they showed me exactly how editing worked and basically what the d prioritized and i would say everything i know about editing i know i like learned from them so i owe a lot to the both of them and also seeing how they collaborated and really worked well together um, and also like prioritize each other's well-being and recognize that this is a challenging job so when someone had to step back like the other one would um, kind of take something off their plate knowing that whenever that happens to them like the the other would do the same so that was really cool to see Um, Lily Stern also was one of my sports editors and just like so so like such a mentor to me Um, I think a lot of my being able to jump between the news and sports sections meant that I had a lot of people that I was looking up to um, and that was always always really fun um, and made me feel like I was welcomed in the newsroom. I think sometimes a lot of our younger writers feel like this is like an intimidating space or it's only, you can only come here when it's your time to edit, but it's really, um, we want to open our doors to like everyone who's a part of the D. And I would also just um, give a shout out to Kyle Mullins, our um, fearless editor-in-chief of the 178th directorate, he really pulled things through COVID, and so did um, Rachel, the editor before that. Um, I think that is probably one of the most challenging things I could. Like I can't imagine having to go through that, doing remote edits for like the most of majority of your tenure, or at least part of it, is quite challenging to say the least. And my last person would be <laughs> my older brother. Um, he was also an editor at the D. Um, editor in chief. Editor in chief. He was a little oh, bit older, oh. so five years ago, but um, kind of just put the... like I knew about the D because he worked there. And I will say that I started journalism before him, because (laughs) he started in college and I started in middle school. And I was like, whoa, I think you're taking my thing. But um, he did really cool things with the paper, and so I would say he's definitely been a mentor all my life, but especially in this capacity as well. Awesome. awesome.
1: Thinking about the kind of community of the Dartmouth that you alluded to mm-hmm. uh, in your in your previous answer, how besides you know all the like editing and, and running the day to day operations of the newspaper, how does your role as editor in chief influence how you build
3: a community here at the Dartmouth?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think one thing that we as execs wanted to facilitate coming into our tenure was this like sense of Camaraderie. I think um, as a freshman, there's a lot of I just come here to do SAMs and to edit, and then I like run away because I don't know anyone else in the newsroom. But we wanted to all make ourselves friendly faces. Um, And also, part of that was hosting socials. So, like having social events, Ella actually uh, took the lead (laughs) on one of them, and it was phenomenal. Too kind. Yes. (laughs) No, I just think that I get recognizing that this space is one that people put a lot of hard work into. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't also be friends and like can't also like, hang out in different capacities is really important. and also just contributes to like a more like this mentality of we're in it together, which is positive, I think, and also supports like with that, I think people would feel more comfortable like letting me know if they need to step back for a little bit. Like that kind of transparency is also what we're we were hoping to foster
3: i think the d is so special in being a campus organization but having like such a legitimate role in even like i think like you could say the journalism industry like college newspapers are important and a lot of the d stuff gets picked up by other organizations um so i guess i think it's really cool that like you get to take on the responsibility for such an important thing but also try to make it fun and accessible obviously mm. you're handing it over to 180 yeah what do you hope they do with it or even
2: 181 i yeah. don't know think far in advance 190 so true. <laughs> um yeah i think the i mean first of all i just have so much confidence in the um incoming director. i think they will do phenomenal things and i know that they will just continue to build off the work that we've done um, but I really hope that the D remains a, this um, place that people can turn to to hear about campus and um, in a way that is that like, covers really important stories, um, student stories, and some that maybe other institutions like our like college's actual Dartmouth News um, website won't be covering. Um, I would really love to see some more. Uh, like, different kinds of news on different platforms. So whether that's podcast or I want to see Instagram, um, I think that there's, like, the future of news is pretty different. And there's, like... TikTok. TikTok, yeah. Um, We have a digital landscape, or, like, our digital transformation is definitely in the works. But I think there's more to come from that. And um, I'm just so, so psyched to see what people are going to be doing. And I know there's going to be fresh ideas, and I just want to be cheering from the sidelines. Are you going to continue journalism after Dartmouth? Also a great question. <laughs> I think that I will take these skills of like reporting and just editing, collaborating, writing with me wherever I go. I'm not super sure on where my postgrad career lies yet, um, but I, yeah, I think these skills are are valuable anywhere. So Think about 180, what's your biggest piece of advice for them? I think my biggest piece of advice is that this is a enormous responsibility, but um, you have all the skills that you need to do it. So at the end of the day, like be kind to yourselves. Um, You will face what seems like impossible situations and you obviously like have You are committed to something that shapes the way thousands of people understand campus Um, but like you know how to do that so just make sure that you are also taking care of yourselves in that process and work with each other communicate with each other Um, these are the people who are going to be in your life very very closely for the next year um and like you'll probably become really good friends and um like don't take that for granted Amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, thank you. It was, especially as a freshman, I I really enjoyed listening to all this, taking it all in.
2: Great. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was so fun to kind of take a mini, da- mini trek down memory lane. So I appreciate you guys. <laughs> I love you, Emily.
0: Up next, producers Eliana Stanford and Abby Hughes spoke with Mia Russo, our former production executive editor. Mia is a senior from Raleigh, North Carolina. She's a quantitative social science major with double minors in psychology and global health. Next year, she will be attending grad school and pursuing a master's in clinical mental health counseling. Thank you for everything, Mia.
4: This term, especially this past
1: year has been very unique. Like, what do you think defines this directorate in your work here?
5: Um, I think we had a very challenging directorate in a lot of ways we i think had 11 obituaries that we wrote throughout the directorate so there was um definitely a very intense period of time and definitely something that i don't think we anticipated when we (laughs) joined um the directorate and kind of signed up to be execs but i think it definitely brought the whole directorate very close together and like we definitely learned different ways um to kind of deal with some pretty intense and serious things and to rely on each other through that.
1: So do you think that the community that you found in the directorate has been a really big part of what you've liked here?
5: Yeah, so I started writing for the D my freshman year in the arts section. Um, I got really involved over my sophomore summer Mm -hmm. and I was the associate executive editor my junior fall which then led into my position as production exec so the D has always been part of my time at Dartmouth but I think especially as an executive editor you spend 20 to 30 hours a week here it's like four or five nights a week just very like intense time commitment um and through that, like I have definitely grown very close with a lot of the people just sheer time wise, but also I think going through a lot of the things that we went through writing about and like supporting each other through that um, definitely brought us closer together as well.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So when you were a freshman writing for the art section, was that something where you were like, I want to work my way up to editor? Or were you just kind of testing the waters? Like, what? Ooh, like going and even coming to Dartmouth
5: was that something that you thought you wanted to do eventually no never no. Okay. um we did not have a paper in my high school so I like always liked to write but just for class I was never like a journalism person I came and signed up for arts largely because I like art history and I was Aww. like this will be great I can just like write little coverage pieces about the hood um, which is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. It was just like coverage writing um, about the arts going on on campus. And then when COVID hit, that all kind of changed. I could no longer just cover mm. art on campus because I wasn't on campus <laughs> and arts weren't really happening. So that definitely like skewed my like path the D into definitely a more like editorial role Um, so when I couldn't really write anymore I had won an award for my writing in arts freshman year and then I was asked to be the associate arts editor and I did that for a year and then sophomore summer I you like rotate through positions, so sophomore summer I tried out production and I tried out just being full-time arts editor and that was the first time I ever even consider doing more than just arts um, at the paper. So it was really great to like have that experience sophomore summer. And then also to be associate exec in the fall, my junior fall really kind of set me up to like realize that I wanted to be more involved than just in the arts section.
1: That's awesome. I think in Lauren Alder's interview she talked about how she was writing working on the, the freshman issue or something yeah. summer. Can you speak yep. on that? Was that like a big thing that you guys did together? Or? Yeah.
5: So yeah. it was me, Lauren, Thomas Brown, and Spencer Allen who did the freshman issue. Um and Lauren had always wanted to do the freshman issue. Like, I don't know if she talked about this. Since she got here freshman <laughs> yeah. year, she had been really excited about editing the freshman issue. I didn't know what the freshman issue was. I was like, I don't really care. Kyle asked me to edit the freshman issue. And I was like, sure, sounds cool. Like, happy to do it. Um, happy to help. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a much more pivotal moment for Lauren and Thomas than it was okay. for me and Spencer <laughs> um yeah <laughs> I like think for me and Spencer it was more just like yeah this is like we'll the obvious that. next step in our yes. like editorial role at the D um I think Thomas and Lauren had been like working their way and like wanting really badly to do it. So it was definitely a bigger deal for them, but it was cool because that was the first time I had ever actually like worked with other people at the D. Um, Before that, it was always like arts was very insular. So I like worked with my editors and I worked with my writers, but I never really had like the D culture. Mm. Um, I think the D kind of is very communal in news and the other sections are like really insular. So it was cool. To, like, work on the issue and work with an opinion writer and work with two news writers and kind of work with these people that I had never even, like, met or interacted with before. Totally. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and, like, kind of speaking on, like, did you have a mentor, like, throughout this, like, developmental process in your writing career?
5: Yeah, so Lauren Siegel um, was a 21. She was our arts editor, and she was the one who asked me to be associate exec I worked under her in arts there's like an editor and associate under them like under the specific editor so there are two arts editors and two associates one for each editor so I was always under Lauren um until she graduated but when she graduated she like invited me to her studio art like senior presentation which was really sweet and just she definitely like encouraged my writing and encouraged me to like continue working up through the editing roles um and then after I left arts I guess it was really like Kyle um who was here sophomore summer um who kind of like I guess allowed but also like pushed me to like continue working outside of arts and like when I pitched the associate exec position they had there had never been an associate exec before me what so way. I like pitched that to Kyle that's exciting <laughs> yeah. yeah and so you were
1: she, the first associate exec. I was
5: the first ever associate exec wow yeah um so it was kind of just like built for me by me yeah <laughs> and it stuck around but it was a really awesome experience and Cal was really just like into kind of letting me do it um and I don't think I would be here if he like wasn't open to that as well
1: that's really amazing yeah 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 so, do you feel like you've kind of assumed that mentorship role for anyone in the D so far? Like, yeah. kind of le- letting them do, like, spread their wings and fly. Yeah.
5: I think, like, Ariel, who's replacing me right. as production <laughs> exec, um, has definitely taken my path, um, which is really awesome to see. And then we're definitely, like, already thinking about 25s who might be potential future prod execs. Yeah. The production exec role is really unique because. We don't actually do the most with, like, the writing sections. It's a lot of non-writing work. So, like, templating, working with photo and design, like, all of the non-writing sections, the production exec oversees. Um, But we all come from writing sections. Yeah. So, it's kind of a unique, like, position to be in. and kind of have to like gain all of these outside skills outside of the writing section that you came from. Yeah. So Arielle and I are already like looking at potential future 25 production execs, oh, which is also exciting.
1: That is exciting. So it seems like you have like a really broad understanding of what the Dartmouth entails because yeah. you've got like the, you started off in one place and you yeah. kind of migrated to a different yeah. aspect. You still have to know about the writing yeah. part. Yeah. Has there been yeah. something that's been really like your favorite part of working for the Dartmouth? Um, I mean, I the community definitely, yeah. but just like
4: what
5: you like to do when you're here? Um, I really like special issues. Okay. I think it's like a really cool opportunity to tell a story about what's happening on campus. Um, In addition to just like our weekly, daily production, I think special issues really provide an opportunity to share like with alumni and community members kind of like what we want to present Dartmouth as. I think a lot of times news is objective, but also like news is never truly objective. And I think special issues are a really cool way of being like, these are objectively reported stories, but when they're put in context with each other, they make a really cool, like larger picture of what's going on yeah
1: yeah that's awesome yeah do you have any plans to continue production tangentially mm. things and in the future like <laughs> do you plan to continue doing the Dartmouth related kind of things when things? No.
5: Graduate? so no. I'm going to graduate school um for clinical mental health counseling. So I want to be a therapist. So I've gotten into graduate school. I haven't decided which one I'm going to go to yes. yet, but <laughs> thank you. That's so exciting. Thank you. I have a few awesome choices. So I will be in a little bit of a different setting, but definitely will have all of these lessons and experiences in the back of my brain.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> is there a story that you wish you could have written and also related to that, is there a story that you really love that you wrote at the time?
5: Um, The very first story I ever wrote was about this senior... um, Oh, they have a name for them in the hood. But basically, like, senior fellows at the hood are allowed to create their own exhibits. And it was the first ever story that I wrote. I pitched it. It was, like, called The Politics of Pink. I still remember it. Um, And it was a really cool exhibit curated by a senior who talked about like the history of feminist feminism basically through like these different mediums using the color pink, um, oh. which was a really cool like introduction to coverage reporting. And uh, I think the most important story that I wrote to me was a mirror reflection on like Dartmouth campus culture that I wrote for the freshman issue last year and Dean Brown, Scott Brown, actually emailed me and was like, this is a great article, let's talk about it. And we like set up a time to talk about like what I was mentioning in my article. And I think the D has like definitely, I'm also the president of SAPA. um, And I think the D has like helped contextualize a lot of the work that I do in other organizations, whether it's like my sorority or SAPA as well, which is also cool.
1: That is really exciting so do you feel like that's been like a moment that was a moment where you saw your the word the word that you were running really had like an impact on the Dartmouth community yeah with the dean reaching out to you
5: and just like spoke to people in a way that I like didn't really think would matter you know like I think we all think our words matter but at the same time it's like who would listen to me right like why would my words really matter um and I think that's a very like Common thing, especially in student journalism, is it's like, I'm spending all this time writing, I'm doing all these things, and no one reads it, or like, no one really cares, or who am I to speak on something like Dartmouth campus culture? But I think what's cool about Dartmouth being such a small community is like, people do read it and they actually do think it matters. And like, it's great when people write a story and then someone stranger reaches out to you and it's like, I really relate to this, or like, I really agree or whatever um and i think that was very cool about like when Dee brown reached out to me
1: yeah that's really exciting congrats thank you (laughs) is there anything you would like leave either the next directorate or anyone who's working for the dartmouth and i think you wanted to maybe any potential future general journalists or production executives
5: um i think it i think words and what we produce is very important but i also want people to like take risks and not be afraid of doing that um i think there's so much room for growth here and like that growth can look like anything you want and at least, like, being an exec. It's, like, I love when writers come and ask me, like, if they can do something. It's, like, yeah, do it, right? I think you look at this oldest college newspaper in the country, (laughs) you're, like, oh, it's a strict institution, but, like, it's not. We have so much room to learn and to grow, and, like, we are constantly learning from writers, and I think writers, like, are, make up the core of this paper, and I would just encourage anyone to, like, keep pushing and keep like seeking knowledge and like growth and like do what I did and create your own position and yeah, <laughs> just like so take risks and ask and I think the great thing about the D is that most of the time if you ask the answer will be yes yeah um, and I think that really makes the D really special. That's
1: awesome. It's really cool. Well, thank you so much for your yeah, time. Yeah, thank it was you. yes so and to, to know you. Yes. And best of luck in the future. <laughs> thank
0: you. Now you will hear Quinn Hall and Claire Betzer talk to Andrew Sasser. Andrew served as one of two news executive editors over the past year. He's a senior from West Palm Beach, Florida. He is a chemistry and economics double major. And next year, he will be working at Dartmouth as a teaching science fellow in the chem department. Then he will hope to go on to grad school.
3: So as a news executive editor, we're wondering what defines this directorate for you?
6: I think, for me, what is defined this directorate is, in a way, a return to normalcy. Um, Directorates prior to ours were characterized by a lot of COVID, a lot of remote work, and we truly were the first directorate to return to normal, Um, and in the sense of being in robo every day, putting out a weekly print issue, stuff of that nature. Um, I also think what has characterized our time as execs is, is how shall I put it, Um, a number of various crises. I think the way that I have described my time on the D is that we are like firefighters, constantly putting out different sorts of fires, some of which are fun to put out, some of which are a little difficult to put out, but still I enjoy dealing with all aspects of the job um, as they come up. So.
0: So you talked about how you joined the D as a freshman and, the fresh, and yes. your freshman fall. Do you have a mentor that you've had at the D over these past, I maybe mean, not necessarily these past four years, but just any, any mentor?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think probably if I had to pick any mentor at all, I would probably pick um, the News Emmys when I was associate managing editing, um, those being um, Abby and Eileigh. Um, I learned a lot of what it takes to be a good editor to look through a story to see what is going well what is not and also how to give constructive feedback feedback that doesn't completely tear a writer down but encourages them to become a better writer and I think that through associate meing with them that was something that was a particularly valuable experience for me and I still think that like I don't know where I would have gone at this paper without their advice and very very helpful insight.
3: So what was the first story you wrote for the D, if you can remember?
6: Yeah so the very first story that I wrote for the D was probably one of the most bland stories in the world about Duo. Um, I just sort of picked it up at the first Sam as like a I think there was another story i wanted more probably it was uh lauren's story about rats at the river that she got first um i love lauren but she constantly lords that story over everyone else um so yeah that was my very first story i remember talking to some itc folks and i remember being like man this is going to be so incredibly boring and to me i mean it was but i still think i put together a pretty good news story even it was just about Duo being implemented, Um, yeah, that was my very first story. So talking about your first story, do you have any stories over the course of your time here that you wish you could unpublish? Wish that I could unpublish. I think that if I had to pick one in particular, it's probably the very last story I wrote before becoming an executive editor. Um, It was a story about Wi-Fi on campus, and I will admit that when I, this was after I was, I had taken the story before I found out I was going to become an executive editor. As I was writing it, I found out I was going to become an executive editor. And like my brain instantly turned into, I want to check out of everything else to sort of put me in the zone for it. And I tried as best I could to not torpedo the story, but like I tried to get off of it. And then the, exacts previously like no you need to do this and like okay I'll do it and then for whatever reason I don't know why that story just turned into a very big struggle for me in the sense that like people weren't wanting to talk about wi-fi on campus and there was a lot of questions like is the wi-fi actually bad or not and like I was just so did not care at all about it I just wanted to be done with it wanted to be over with it so yeah if there's any one story I wish I could unpublish it would be that one.
3: So talking about Wi-Fi on campus isn't necessarily the most colorful thing Mm -hmm. to cover, but has there been a favorite experience or memory for you at the D that you look back on fondly?
6: I mean, I think in my time as an executive editor, um, having the various socials that we've put together has been a particularly impactful experience to me. I think especially like, I think a lot about the changeover we just had last friday is something that was an awesome experience because one of the things that i wanted to do going into this position was sort of make the d fun again and like when i went into the basement of sigma Del, i looked around i saw all sorts of 26s there everyone was playing pong enjoying the music having trail break like that was such like a good experience to me it told me that even throughout all the ups and downs that we did some good at the end of the day um Yeah, I think that that would be one particular memory I'd look back fondly upon.
3: So those are kind of the highlights, but is there ever a moment where it might have become too much? Just the pressure of being an executive editor?
6: There definitely were some moments, I think, in the fall um, that hit hard. I think for me in particular, and I'll be honest, like I think... The time that I felt at my lowest was in the week where we had first it was the grad student attack and then we got the emails about Josh Watson and Sam Gall and I knew Sam and I got that news while I was in the office and I was in tears for a while like I just didn't return to the office for a couple of days like it hurt a lot like there's been ups and downs to this job but like that combined with the fact that I think in this entire directorate we've done like more than 15 obits at this point which is like more than double that of any previous directorate like i've tried so hard not to get desensitized to that amount of loss but it hurts sometimes and like to have to be able to read all these people's lives that are we're trying to encapsulate in a thousand words like that's difficult you know it's like something i think that collectively we as execs have tried to adapt to as best we can um Yeah, I'd say if there's been any one particular moment where I've struggled, it's that. So on Friday, uh, we had the changeover ceremony. What would be your biggest piece of advice for the next director? I think I'd say roll with the punches, to be honest, because in our time um, as execs, we had a lot of things that I don't think we could have conceived of happening I don't think we expected to write the number of obits we did. I don't think we expected that a member of our board of proprietors was going to die. I don't think that we expected that we were going to emerge into a very public and nasty fight with the college Republicans. Like, things happen, and you just can't control it. Like, Hanlon announced that he's stepping down in our directorate. Like, there will always be something unexpected that's going to happen, but just understand no matter what that it's not your fault in any way in that we are first and foremost a teaching newspaper and we don't have to be perfect. I mean you know we just have to like go ahead and you know things will happen and as they happen we just need to adapt to it and that's what I think is just again you gotta just adapt with the punches as they come.
3: Well Andrew thank you so much for reflecting on your time with the D and at Dartmouth and Happy retirement.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Last but not least is Lauren Adler. If you don't know Lauren, Lauren is the reason this podcast is happening at all. And she is the reason you are listening to my very voice right now. Lauren, next to Andrew, was also a news executive editor over the past year. She's a senior from Bethesda, Maryland, a government major, a public policy and art history minor. And next year, she will be working in Washington, D.C., managing content across print, digital, and social platforms for a think tank. Lauren Adler, you're the best. Lauren is uh, very important to us here at The Debrief. Uh, This show would not be possible without her. So, Lauren, um, talk to us a little bit. How did you get to this position? What's your your origin? And why are you obsessed with podcasts?
4: (laughs) So, I actually... The idea of a podcast for the d was first floated to me, my freshman winter. I joined the d my freshman fall um and when I joined, I immediately became extremely obsessed with it <laughs> um i you know I was like writing every single week, sometimes multiple times a week, and like always always looking for new ways that I could get involved and so at the beginning of the winter, when Heyman, who was the editor in chief at the time, sent out like an all staff email encouraging people to apply to the multimedia team, I did, even though I have, as Levi can attest, no audio or video editing skills at all. But I was like, this could be fun. Um, And so we ended up producing one random episode of like a news correspondent type show that term. And like that was what got done. But there also was talk of a podcast. And I thought that was cool because I like podcasts. Um, and so ever since then there's just been a lot of efforts to sort of like really make that happen Um, and then at the very very end of his directorate Kyle Mullins appointed Levi to be our podcast editor and from there I was very determined to not lose that momentum Um, so definitely I think the debrief is still in its infancy but I'm so proud of the way that we've managed to really like step up and create so much content this year like a year ago, there is no way that we would have had the capacity to produce this kind of an episode at all. So
0: And w- how did let's take a step back. How did you get to this position of being able to even lead this uh, project?
4: Yeah, so I like I said, I wrote every single week as a freshman, and that is very true. There's this thing at in the writing sections of the D where once you publish your ninth article, you are like the Dartmouth staff. Rather than just the Dartmouth in your byline, and Kyle had said Kyle was an assistant editor at that point, and he had said that he had reached staff over winterum, like his ninth article was published in December, and I was like, I could beat that, and so I decided that I was going to be better than him, and so I just like got into the habit of writing all the time, and so that just like never really went away. So like all through freshman year, even through COVID, through the summer, I wrote like. Over sophomore year, I was an assistant editor and I was writing even, you know, when I wasn't here and during the COVID terms, even like I took my sophomore spring off and I still wrote a bunch of articles. Um, And then I think the thing that was probably, I think the thing that was probably the most influential in me applying to be an exec was over my sophomore summer, I edited actually with Mia Russo, one of our other wonderful execs, um, the freshman issue for the 25s. Um, I think that that was the first time that I really had experience editing anything other than the first draft of a news article and that was the first time that I ever really had experience sort of overseeing the entire creation of an issue from like the storyboarding to the photos we were going to need to writing the editor's note to making sure that the layout was getting done on time like the special issue editors sort of get to have a hand in all of that and i thought that was really exciting and really fun and so that was when i realized that i wanted to sort of take on a broader role at the d rather than just being a an editor for a single section i was more interested in editing across a variety of sections
0: what was your first article about
4: my first article actually was really competitive um there were 5 different people that wanted to take my first article And news does this thing where it's like, oh, pick a number between 1 and 25. And I picked 17, and the number was exactly 17. So I was like, oh, it's fate. My first article was about a mouse problem in French Hall. Um, The headline's really cute. It's like, oh, rats, residents of French Hall (laughs) reporter. It actually was so adorable. Um, And I've, like, gone back and looked at it, and it's, like, so sweet and so funny and, like, really bad. But so cute that i like have that it was definitely like caused a big splash i remember like jacko made fun of the headline on instagram and i was like oh i've made it
0: <laughs> your first article that you wrote. <laughs> Literally.
4: it was so funny though i actually met like one of my to this day like absolutely very close friends at dartmouth she was a source for that article because she lived on french one and had like designed t-shirts for everybody on her floor with like they named it Remy the Rat with Remy the Rat on the shirt, um, and to this day, she is one of my very best friends on this entire campus.
0: Would you say that your stories kind of evolved over your freshman year, or definitely,
4: definitely they did. So that rats. was my... it was all rats. Yeah, definitely that was my so that was my first story. But then, like by the time we got to like late freshman spring, freshman summer, um, I over the winter I did a lot of work reporting on the proceedings of the PBS lawsuit. Um, the lawsuit against three professors in the psychological brain sciences department. Um, I did a lot of work reporting on that because obviously the initial incidents had happened like years ago, but at that point, the, um, the case had actually made it like there was a class action lawsuit that had actually made it into courts. And so I was reporting on that. Um, And so I had a lot of experience reporting on kind of like legal stuff. And also I had a lot of experience because this was a Title IX related issue, speaking with um, the Title IX office. And so when the Trump administration in the late spring released their new Title IX guidelines, I was tapped to do a series of articles about those over (laughs) my freshman spring and summer. Um, So obviously a very, that's a pretty far departure from (laughs) a RAS, but definitely like (laughs) that was very early on but it still like remains one of the most valuable pieces of reporting I think I've done for the D like that article got way more clicks than it would have if just our students had written it and so it like spread pretty far on social media among other college students wondering like what are the effects of these policies going to be on our campus um and so that meant a lot and also I think was the first time that I really did like a deep investigative story like we have a rule in the written stories where you have to have at least three sources. And I talked to probably 10 people for some of these articles, like different students, different student leaders, different administrators, um, you know, consulting different documents and court filings. And so I learned a lot, but it also definitely was a very meaningful experience by the end of my freshman year.
0: What's your unfinished business within journalism (laughs) and what?
4: Unfinished business. Um, I'm excited for when there's a TikTok. I wanted to, I really wanted to get the TikTok off the ground and that did not happen. Um, So I'm excited that we have 11 followers now. So big.
0: It's more than 10. It's
4: taken off. Um, But I'm excited for that to become a real thing because I really do think that like social media journalism is becoming extremely important. And I think that we need to really like get on that as well. Um, So that's probably the thing that I wish had gotten done but honestly like i feel like our director made a lot of big changes that were a long time coming and i'm glad that we made them like i feel like the way that a lot of the non-writing sections are run is more cohesive i feel like we changed the schedule to sort of like reflect actual publishing patterns and i think that that's worked really well um we have changed numbers of editors in some sections like obviously during the pandemic we stopped printing everything um but and now we print once a week but the mirror section which used to get its own full issue once a week um only gets like one page in the print issue and so we've added a third mirror editor to hopefully like in the future the dream would be to like be able to print mirror again because mirror has so much great content so many great designs like so much creative energy goes into mirror and we would love to get that printed so like i think that we've done a lot of good work like Laying the groundwork for future development. So I'm really proud of that. And also, like, very meta, but I am genuinely really proud of what we've done with the podcast. Like, a year ago, none of this infrastructure existed. There were no episodes, there was no team. Like, I remember when Levi and I were like sitting in the newsroom talking about like how we were gonna hire a team and like another host. And I feel like we've just come so far from that moment with the debrief. So I'm also really proud of that.
0: That's a perfect answer. I really was.
4: <laughs> we do now have a few episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that
0: is a triumph. Would you say that when you first started like you wouldn't this is where you wanted to be or do you think like your trajectory changed over the course of your time? What would everybody? freshman Lauren say about seeing Lauren? Lauren I was trying say. to avoid that. It's like a cliché. <laughs> I
4: Definitely, like, when I started, I knew I wanted... Because, like, okay, so when you're a news writer and you come in to edit your story with a news editor, you sit in, like, the big room of the newsroom with all the tables. And if you're an exec, you sit in the little room on the side. And I was like, I want to be in the little room on the side. Definitely, I knew that going in. And, like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to be editor-in-chief. I'm going to be number one. Like, I'm going to be in charge. And then sophomore year um the the 21's directorate was wonderful 178 was like such a great rachel who was the editor-in-chief and elizabeth especially who was the news exec were both like so wonderful and um elizabeth was a really important mentor figure for me both in terms of like journalism and the d but also just in terms of like the college experience generally and i think that she definitely like took the news exec role and really ran with it because they had to be definitely really creative and really adaptive during their directorate because theirs was completely online over zoom not on campus at all during covid um and so seeing how a Liz transformed the news exec job i realized like i was like i want to be news exec i want to be like a Liz. so i think sophomore fall and winter was really when i realized that like this was the specific job that i wanted and you got it. And I got it. Winner.
0: <laughs> what would you impart? Yes. To, uh, uh, on uh, younger people at Dartmouth, but ju- younger uh, journalists. Okay. In totality.
4: I think that everybody is saying right now, people are saying, that journalism is kind of at this like weird inflection point, And I think that a lot of people mean that in terms of like trust in media but I mean that in terms of the form in which like the forms that our media is taking so like with the advent of like TikTok journalism with the advent of things like ChatGPT there are a lot of things that are challenging to the traditional written newspaper format. And I think that all of those things should definitely, like, be explored. They're really valuable tools. They're really interesting different ways to tell stories, but that doesn't mean that print journalism is, like, has no value, right? Like, just because somebody can see your article when they're scrolling through Twitter and, like, click the link or just because they can go to the website doesn't mean that it's not valuable to also have printed newspapers in a newsstand. I think that just like if you want to like explore new avenues and you know diversify the way that you're reporting stories I am absolutely all for that I encourage that but I also think it's important to remember to like in order to make the news as accessible as possible it does need to take as many forms as possible and so when you're creating new forms of news don't also eliminate the old forms of news I also think that for 180 specifically I have a couple pieces of advice first All that we do here is communicate with the outside world. Like, that's our whole job. Um, And I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in that and not necessarily be communicating with each other. So definitely very important to maintain communication in the newsroom. 179 has really tried to, like, implement this policy of editors coming in and working in the office. That's been, like, very big for us. And, like, that makes the communication so much easier. But also it just, like, really makes the community, I think, so much stronger when you actually see each other. Because during COVID, when everything was on Zoom, like, people would get on the Zoom to do their edits, and then they would get off the Zoom. But, like, it's not really the same, you know? So I think that, like, the fact that we have this space in Robo is, like, so great, and it's nice when people use it. So I definitely think that communication, and specifically in-person communication, is a really good thing. Um, And the other thing... That i would say is like everybody on directorate is hired for a reason and like spring is tough always the first term is really bad but you got it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well put <laughs> um what are you gonna miss most about this office Ooh. about being here working here
4: Ooh, like about the physical office
0: physically and no honestly physically and just in general what are you gonna miss about being a part of the D? oh
4: you're gonna make me cry i've <laughs> cried so many times this week i swear to god
0: oh my
4: god yeah me like rolling out of bed 12 minutes ago yeah <laughs> disaster taylor's like oh my god can i film you for the tiktok i'm like Mm-mm. um okay Right around sunset, actually, we get really pretty views of Dartmouth Hall with, like, the light hitting it just right, and that's nice physically. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm
0: also, sorry. symbolically, the sunset's
4: on the D. <laughs> oh, my
6: God, Ryan.
0: For those of you who can't see, Lauren is... Uh...
4: <laughs> weeping. <laughs> I'm weeping. Um, I mean, they're not going to get rid of me. Oh, I'm still gonna be here like <laughs> definitely not as often I am definitely very excited to only be in the office when I choose to be in the office that's gonna be really big that's gonna be really great um
0: sorry it's totally okay
4: I cried everything Jacob could do
0: We felt really special, so (laughs) thanks for putting us in our place.
4: (laughs) Oh my god, no! I cry at like those sad dog commercials during Christmas. (laughs) Those, oh my god, those got me. Um, like the D has been like my baby for four years, and moving on from that is really difficult. And I'm so proud, and I'm so excited for 180, but it's still hard. It's like seeing, I think it's like, not that I actually know what this feels like, but I think it's kind of like sending your oldest kid to college, you know, or like, (laughs) it's happy sad.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah. But like, definitely a lot of like, proud mom feelings. Like, I'm so excited for them. They're going to do really great things. And I think that we've put together a really good team. Like, I think that the four of them will work so, so well together. Like, three of them have already, like, done a lot of reporting together, and, um, yeah, because Daniel and Christine both came from news together. Ariel has, like, done literally everything at the entire paper. Um, and, like, when we were going through applications, like, Elle's application to be a news exec, like, all of her goals for the paper were like so similar to what Kristen and Arielle had written and so I just think that like they are gonna be fantastic honestly I do so I'm just like so excited for them to I'm really excited to see what they can do with it
0: but what are you gonna miss about being here
4: oh I forgot that part I've definitely I've definitely found a community here And that's not going to go away just because I leave the office. But it's going to be really weird to have to build in time to see Emily and Mia and Andrew every day. I mean, not every day because I see them every day now. But, like, it's going to be weird to have to, like, schedule time to see people that, like, for the last year, I've seen them at least four times a week for, like, nine hours at a time. yeah
0: Well, uh I will just say that uh on a personal note, I am so so fortunate to know you have met you have worked with you, and I thank you so much for your efforts, and everyone here notices it, and you really, really were a special editor here, at least in my book, and I'm sure everyone else agrees well, you're you. perfect <laughs> I've, a- I've always called you the mother of the D, and this is just now from it's work true. There. Off and um, on the mic, he said that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been saying that. But really, uh, thank you, Lauren. Do you have any uh, last tearful words last to, tearful words. to oh impart my in your um, your goodbye interview?
4: Oh my gosh! I think that. Oh, this is so cheesy, you guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm cringing. I think that the D because we spend so much time together kind of does become a little bit like a family like we fight like siblings but like at the end of the day like everybody who's ever been in this job is still part of the D's family right like the 3,000 people who subscribe to our newsletter like those are parents of D reporters and like D alums because they still care so it's definitely very bittersweet to be moving on but like I'm just so grateful that I got to have this as part of my college experience. I'm so grateful.
0: Well, thank you very much, Lauren. We Uh, love you very much. We're gonna miss you. It won't be the same without your contribution.
4: I'll still be here in the spring. I'll be a menace. Uh,
0: And with that, we say goodbye to Lauren Adler and we appreciate all your efforts at the D. We love you and appreciate you. Uh, Thank you very, very much, Lauren. Yeah.
4: Well, thank you for doing this.
0: And with that, we say goodbye 179 and hello 180. Thank you to Emily, Mia, Andrew, and of course, Lauren Adler. And thank you to all of 179 for a great year of the D. I'm your host, Levi Port, and this has been the final episode of the 179th Editorial Directorate's The Debrief. Additional thank yous to our whole production staff. Ella Von Beyer, Abby Hughes, Eliana Stanford, Jack Coleman, Claire Betzer, John Zavris, Quinn Hall, Penelope Spur, and Taylor Haber.